Hello, everybody, and thank you for uh, tuning in or listening, taking the time to listen to uh, this podcast. My name is Evan Jarshower, and I am a, a professional dual diagnosis interventionist and licensed psychotherapist. And uh, so what I do is I work with families that have a loved one, families and friends that have a loved one all across the country, um, that have a loved one who is battling uh, symptoms of substance abuse uh, and mental illness, or uh, for example, depression, anxiety, trauma, psychosis, um, having a hard time uh, controlling their moods. They may have bipolar disorder. And oftentimes is the case that they're using, people are using uh, mood altering substances such as alcohol or drugs um, to cope, cope with those uh, symptoms. And uh, typically families will try, people will try to get through and reach the individual, the one that they're concerned about. I call them the identified patient uh, and try to tell them, hey, look, this is what's going on and let's get you some help. Let's get this checked out. And and in many cases, um, the ones that may be the more uh, severe cases, there is a, a degree of uh, resistance and denial that you know families love and concern just can't penetrate. And that's where families will be reaching out to someone like myself to help. Um, the reason I decided to go ahead and uh, put this podcast episode together, um, I've been getting a lot of calls from a lot of really good families that have been basically telling me that, um, you know, the intervention is not going to work, that, uh, you know, you're not going to be able to get through and that their case is a hopeless case. And so I figured I would take a little bit of time here and talk to those families and other families that may kind of be on the fence as well about having somebody like myself come and help and just kind of go through the process a little bit. Um, you know, and what really got me going here was recently I had a, a call with a loved one up in the Northeast. And um, that person said, uh, basically, um, you know, having you come and kidnap um, my family member, um, I'm not going to let that happen and that's not going to work anyway. And so that kind of inspired me in a way to take some time right now to reach out to everybody that might be listening to this episode. So first and foremost, I don't kidnap anybody. Um, and I don't believe in that. For anybody that is into that kind of a, you know, grab them and go uh, uh, process, that's just not the way I operate. Because what I have found over the, the last almost 20 years in the field here is that at the end of the day, if you come from a place of understanding, uh, care, consideration, love, and have a, but have a firm, solid, strategically loving, sound plan to back it up, you not only work to get, you, we're, not even able, we're not only able to get your loved one to a program, but even more importantly, because we came from a more strategically loving, unified approach, we were, we were able to help increase the prognosis that they actually, that loved one actually committed to the process of recovery. They actually engaged, increased their level of commitment to wanting to get well and stay well. So let me take a little bit of time and kind of walk you through uh, how this process generally works. And of course, there's different twists and turns in every one of my cases. There are no cookie cutter approach, but I can give you some fundamental insight for those people that are interested uh, in uh, exploring the idea of, of an intervention. 
um, by the way, I just want to share with you, I happen to be right now in the beautiful city of Memphis, Tennessee, and I'm, I'm literally just down the street from Graceland. Um, so it's a very cool place to be, and um, it, it feels right to take some time out to share with you a little bit about how we can help your your loved one um, in their moment of crisis with understanding and love when they don't have to be embarrassed or ashamed. We can do this in a way in which they, at the end of the day, they feel, and you all will feel good about this process. Um, you know, just being down the street from where Elvis lived and, um, you know, I'm, I, I can't help but think sometimes, you know, what if the people that, what if, what if there could have been a different outcome? Um, what if, um, we could have got him some help? Um, you know, of course those were different times and different situations and, uh, different circumstances, but by the same token, you know, you start to think about people like Prince and Tom Petty um, and Michael Jackson um, and Amy Winehouse. And you can go on and on from there. And you just sit here and I sit here and I wonder, you know, uh, all the all the music that they could have made. But unfortunately, um, they went, they passed too soon, too young. And um, for me... You know, I'm here now able to work with families that have their loved one that is that is battling issues, that are battling issues. And if we work together as a team, and that's another focal point of my work, that team approach, um, we not only, like I said, get that person to agree to get help, but that unity, that collective loving strength of the family fabric, uh, and I include friends in that, there's no question that it helps to increase the long-term prognosis for recovery. So with all that said, um, and forgive me for the long introduction, um, here's the basics of how my intervention work works. And once again, my name is Evan Jarshower, and I am a professional dual diagnosis interventionist and licensed psychotherapist, and I work with families and of loved ones that are battling substance abuse issues and oftentimes in conjunction with um, underlying mental health issues such as depression, anxiety, trauma, uh, bipolar disorder, and they're self-medicating uh, those symptoms, uh, you know, symptoms of depression or anxiety or hearing things, seeing things, feeling things, um, feeling misunderstood, uh, uh, being unable to control their moods with mood-altering substances such as uh, prescription medications. Uh, opiates, uh, heroin, uh, a variety of other uh, drugs of choice, such as alcohol and cocaine. So with all that said, um, families will reach out. And what I, how I start the process off is really trying to understand the case as much as possible. Um, you know, w what happened? What are, the, what are some of the underlying issues, the, the challenges that your loved one has faced um, through the years, and how have those issues, that those challenges impacted or kind of uh, perhaps sometimes magnified or uh, created an environment where the use of mood-altering substances was needed, um, they felt was needed to, to cope. So with that history, um, I then work to build our intervention team. Okay, and when I say intervention team, I do mean um, from a strategically loving standpoint, uh, who will be participating? Uh, what will be their roles? What will be said? What will not be said? 
how do we deal with objections and issues um, because we're, and rebuttals? Um, I don't want to make this sound like it's a sales process, but there's no question that at the end of the day, um, when I'm sitting there with somebody who is suffering in crisis, mental health issues, substance abuse issues, emotional issues, uh, it's critical that um, just like a good lawyer walking into a courtroom, um, you know, you have a good feel, a strong feel for the questions that will be asked and the challenges that you'll be faced with. Um, and so for that reason, the first step, I work to gain an understanding of the case. Second step, build the team, the intervention team that will support this process. And not only, like I said, help the person agree to accept help, but ultimately carry through the help to carry through um, the establishment of a sound foundation for long-term recovery um, for that individual. Um, then, once we have our, our team uh, in place, we're also looking at the where. Where is the intervention going to be held? Um, and the simple answer there is, you know, the place where you want to have the intervention really is the, the, the place where you have the highest probability, the highest prognosis that the person will be. And um, so oftentimes it's the case, um, you know, home, uh, it's simple, simple, the, the, the simple plan is sometimes the best plan you know, where that person lives, where they reside. And by the same token, sometimes that's a big challenge too, especially if they have their own home. And then it's a matter of really being able to work with the people that love that person the most and they love the most to help us actually to get in, um, be able to establish um, a dialogue, and then from there, uh, provide the family and friends the opportunity to share with that individual, first part, um, love, uh, special memories, good times, special qualities, the things that make that individual uh, a very special person. The reason why you would bring somebody like me out in the first place to help them, okay? After the all the good memories, the good times, the special qualities are shared, then we get into the concerns, and what I tell my families and what I will tell you if we end up, if we do work together, is you really want to be able to show, share um, your concerns with your loved one in crisis more from a how their situation, their issues, their behavioral patterns, their actions have impacted you, um, how you feel about the issue, how you feel about what you've seen, what you've heard. Um you also want to come from the perspective of the reporter. You know, oftentimes is the case the person that's sitting in the the inter, you know the identified patient seat is they're they're feeling terrible, and I don't want them to feel any worse than they already do. I don't want anyone to feel any more shame or guilt or anger. So that's why I guide my families in really getting into sharing um, what they're seeing, coming from the perspective of the concerned reporter almost. Uh, what is going on? How does the person look when they're drinking or drugging or when they're depressed? What are they saying? What are the behaviors? What are some of the inappropriate or, uh, choices, decisions? What are the poor decisions, poor choices that they're making? And once again, how does all that impact the loved one who's uh, part of the intervention team? Then uh, after the, the good stuff, the good memories, the special qualities, the concerns are all shared, the concerns, how those concerns impact you and the people that surround you and that loved one. Um, then it's about, it's about asking that individual, that, that identified patient, to accept help. And there's a whole another conversation that goes into selecting treatment. 
and we will save that for another day. But at the at that time, once the can the positive, the good stuff has been shared, the concerns have been shared, then we get into asking that individual to accept help. And we have a program or a treatment plan lined up for that individual. Um, and it's also a treatment plan. It's a, it's a program. It's an option that can always be amended and modified. Once we get the identified person, identified patient under doctor's care and being able to actually see what's going on from the inside, um, you know, those plans can always be amended uh, and adjusted to meet the client where they are and also meet the treatment team, the people that are working with that patient where they are as well, as well as the family. And here's the last part of the intervention. And this is the part that, you know, oftentimes has the, the most mystique about it. And this is the, what are we going to do when um, your loved one says, no, I'm not going. I'm not going to go get help. I don't care. I'm going to keep living like this. Or I know I have a problem, and I'm not going to do anything about it. Either way, it doesn't make a difference. So get out of my face. In the third section of the intervention, this is where we share with that individual exactly what friends and family are prepared to do in the event that individual does not go to get help. And not only that, but if they don't commit and they don't comply with the, the program recommendations for their care there and after care uh, once they've been discharged from the program. It's kind of challenging. Yeah, I get it. It's challenging to look at how do you get, how do you like lock up compliance? How do you get someone to commit to compliance even before they went into a program? And like I said from the beginning, it's really about setting a sound foundation for the long term, as opposed to being concerned so much in how you're going to lock every detail down. Because if you, if, by spending too much time on trying to figure out how you're going to lock every detail down, Unfortunately, you lose track of what's happening right here, right now, and that's getting that individual safe and setting the tone for a healthier, uh, a more robust uh, long-term recovery, not only for that individual going to get help, but also for the family and friends, the people that's, that surround that individual as well. And I, that's a critical part of the work that I do. At least that's a critical part of the work I, that I feel that I need to do. And that's not just get that individual to treatment. But it's really helped to set. It's to help to set the tone for everyone. It's to give everyone that that sense of um, I'm part of this as well. And that's where I encourage families and individuals to to go to counseling, go to support group meetings themselves. Um, you know, there there's no question that in a lot of my cases, the individual, the identified patient sitting in that chair, looks at me and goes, "Do you realize my mother has a problem? My father has a problem? My sister? My brother?" And that's where I let the individual know that I get it, that I understand, that oftentimes is the case that the people that have issues have people around them that have issues as well. But, um, and this is where it becomes very delicate in that it's about letting everyone know that I'm on the side of the, the, the family, I'm on the side of the patient, I want to see that individual not only go get help, but really embrace the process of recovery. But I also want to see the people that surround that individual recognize their potential role in the process, not only for the loved one trying to get help, but the benefits for them as well. Um, and so with that, in that third section of the intervention, this is, once again, this is where I work with families to help put together a solid uh, uh, list, a collection 
uh, of healthy boundaries that they're ready to implement in the event that we have a breakdown. The person does not want to go commit, stay involved, stay engaged, leave early. Um, and yeah, this is where, from a you know delicate standpoint, this is where it's really about not finding out what the family's not willing to do, but what the family is willing to do. It's about empowering the family and friends and loved ones as to how, how they're able to use their loving leverage in the most positive, healthy, constructive way to get somebody who's suffering, who's not well, to get help. Um, and then once that has been shared and implemented if needed, um, my job then is to escort the individual, the identified patient, to the program selected for their care. That's the basics of an intervention. That's the way it's supposed to go. Of course, there's lots of twists and turns. There always are, you know, the, when you're dealing with the human condition. But um, at the end of the day, if, if, if you come with love and understanding and a firm backbone and a solid plan of action, the, the outcomes are exponentially higher than if it's just about, you know, somebody being pushed to go to a program or even sometimes a person wakes up and says, fine, I'll just do this. In any case, um, with that said, please feel free uh, to reach out. Uh, you can call my hotline direct. It's 305-467-8666, 305-467-8666. Um, once again, my name is Evan Jarshower. I'm a licensed uh, psychotherapist. I'm a professional dual diagnosis interventionist working nationwide. Feel free to reach out if I can be of assistance uh, to you, a uh, family member, a loved one. Other than that, I want everyone to have a, a wonderful day, and I look forward to uh, reaching out in my next episode of Intervention Radio. Have a great day, guys. Bye-bye.